Welcome back to Scratching the Surface, a horror movie podcast. My name is Justin, aka Money. And my name is Cody, aka Junes. And currently it is December 27th. So we uh both of you, well, I speak on behalf of Cody as well. We hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. Seriously. Um we were just talking and catching up before this. Uh Seeing how we, we both are, because it's just, you know, that holiday break. And um, we did have an episode planned for like last Thursday, I believe, kind of before Christmas. And I fell ill a little bit, so I, we do apologize. But we're getting this episode out now. So um, it's going to be a good one. And yeah, we, again, hope you guys had a very Merry Christmas and coming up on a new year. So definitely uh gonna be an interesting year a lot more uh horror based for sure now that we got the pod um on spotify apple podcast uh we do have tiktok as well on youtube scratching the surface 100 so make sure to check those out and um yeah cody what do we uh what are we going to be getting into today um because this is an interesting movie and from the ratings i've seen my personal viewing I'm, I'm curious to just hear your thoughts obviously as we dissect it but what, what are we getting into here today we will be discussing the 2020 film the dark and the wicked directed by brian bertino he directed the strangers and then yep. also the strangers pray at night i saw pray at night that one was okay the original strangers is is solid the, so yeah, it is. I've, i have seen that just wanted to say that mm-hmm. um the monster he did haven't seen that but i've heard decent reviews on it um so but yeah i had seen some other movies on there too but i didn't recognize them so i'm in the same boat with you mm-hmm. those two movies from the strangers shows that he has potential to put something decent out although pray at night kind of was underwhelming however this is a movie that is set on a family farm in thurber texas and really what we have here is a family that is trying to, or I should say, two family members, a brother and a sister, who are trying to help out their aging parents that are living on the farm. And I must say, this was a pleasant viewing experience. Uh, what we have here with the Dark and the Wicked is a definitely contained horror piece that knows what it wants to be, and it does not veer off course from that. With its simplicity, we are able to make those quick connections early on in the film. Mm-hmm. which allows us to just simply enjoy the movie and be entertained. There's an abundance of gloomy mood throughout the film. And there's a lot of stellar bits of unease that I, that I felt throughout. I must say that should also say we have some memorable performances all throughout. Uh, we have a cast here, Louise, who is played by Mayor in Ireland. She had, I think she was in sneaky Pete, not a whole lot of other stuff. She was mm-hmm. actually in The Boogeyman as well, which was a recent release. Yeah. Got Michael, the brother, who is played by Michael Abbott Jr. We have the dad. Let's find where the dad's at. I don't know if they have him listed here. Played by Michael Zacks. He doesn't have any dialogue in this entire movie. We've got a farmhand named Charlie, who's played by Tom Nowicki. Nowicki, I should say. The cast is fairly pared down. We don't have a whole lot of people that we have to pay attention to. It's mainly about the brother and sister trying to help out the parents. And it kind of goes from there. It's a movie that I think is 
definitely haunting for me anyways. And it's very desolate. We're on an isolated location. It's cold out. The wind's howling. The wolves are howling. And there's an evil presence that lurks outside. Or is it already within the house? That's true. That's really on, on a surface level what we have here in the dark and the wicked. We play on the forces of evil and just how relentless they can be. And our characters are up against a indestructible force and they do everything in their power to try and <laughs> save themselves and save their family members. Yeah, uh, you nailed that perfectly, Junes. Um, and actually... This the movie info on Rotten Tomatoes. The synopsis is so small, it goes plagued by waking nightmares. Two siblings suspect that something evil is taking over their family, isolated farmhouse, and that's literally it. So, you couldn't have said it better. Um, and yeah, I like how you mentioned too like, is it is the evil there already, or is it is it within, or is it something that gets brought upon them? We don't really know. Um, and it's for us to find out. This movie, overall, pretty solid, I will say. Um, acting by Luis here, played by, like you said, Marion or Marin Ireland, so good. I think I think this cast was phenomenal overall. I didn't really have a bone to pick, um, just because you have two siblings who are clearly not as connected as you know, maybe someone should be with their brother or sister, but. And you can feel that tension in the movie, even with their mom. Their dad is on his deathbed. deathbed. Um, and we get introduced to a couple other characters later on. And it's pretty straightforward. I, I think I only had a couple things I was kind of like scratching my head at, um, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this. It's a solid performing horror movie. Um I don't think it did that well, actually, in the box office. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Um, wasn't as solid as a lot of the other ones we've seen. Um, but this is kind of like a standalone movie um, on its own. So that's probably why. But There's something about this film and its characters. They have just an everyday common person trait throughout the film. And it actually does make it feel as if it if the whole incident occurred in actuality somewhere in rural Texas, that just yeah. is one of the things I kind of like about it is it, it feels so subdued and so small in scale that you almost feel as if it really happened. That's one quality I like about the dark and the wicked. And before we start getting into some of the main scenes throughout the first, second and third act, that's just something I wanted to also mention before we dig into it. Yeah, and this movie actually reminds me of a couple things. One, it reminds me of a movie we haven't discussed, but that is The Lodge, just by the melancholy of it, mm -hmm. kind of the plot. And then also a movie we have discussed already, and that is The Witch, because you have just a family, some evils going on, um, and they're kind of confused, and it's just kind of brought upon them it, it just reminds me of the witch a lot which we've discussed um and i've dissected but it gives off similar similar vibes it's more modern but yeah uh i think you said thurber texas just so isolated so small just this yeah so i, I love this setting of this and um yeah I'm, I'm excited to talk about it um so let's hop into it shall we 
Yes, sir. And and like you say, with the setting there, we really don't have a whole lot. We have the main farmhouse. We right. have a barn <laughs> for the goats that they have. We may have a few fenced in yards. There may have been a random barn that I'm forgetting, but that's kind of the setting we have to give you an idea. It's very, very remote town. I don't think is super close by. I mean, I'm assuming it's a 15 to 20 minute drive at least. So we're out there. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie kind of the first act, we get a lot of screen time with the mother uh, played by Julie Oliver touchstone and she does a great job. And it's just a slow kind of burner. I will say that to to preference that. Um, but it allows the characters to draw out their stories more, I think. And it all comes together in the end um, with everybody. Uh, and with the mother, this this is the one thing that I really didn't know. Because, like, you know, to keep it vague, as we've been doing the last few episodes, I won't get into, like, too many specifics, but... She knew, to me, watching, she knew something was there. And it's almost like she didn't acknowledge it. You know, we have that scene where she's in the kitchen and that chair, excuse me, that chair comes around and it's like she knows it's there. She just doesn't acknowledge it. I I was kind of confused on that. And later on, too, Michael, her son, finds actually her diary and reads it. And Luis gets introduced to it, and a lot of things start happening. Um, one really cool thing, too, with this is that they're all kind of atheists in this movie. And it's not like a Christian-based movie by any mm-hmm. means, but <clears throat> it's something to think about. They are non-believers. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in, like, an afterlife. And all these evil things are happening, and it's making them question whether they should. And I think a lot of that was journaled down by her mom. And we get some really cool shots of the farm with her and a horrific scene uh, shortly after. Um, And we get introduced to the father, too, who I don't think said one word in this movie, but did a pretty good job for uh, not not saying a word. But what did you think of the first act? As I kind of mentioned, you know, it, it feels like a slow burner, but... We get introduced to the setting, the mother, uh, the the kitchen, and and kind of the paranormal stuff right off the gate. I think there's a scene in there too, uh, where we see that demon figure. It's like a split second shot. Um, but yeah, what did you kind of think of the first act? I'm curious. Beautifully said. A lot of good points there. I like that you touch on some of those because they are important <clears throat> to this movie. I think our opening is very compelling. There was constant speculation as to the relevance of the opening scenes. Like you say, we're questioning why is the mother acting this way? Why does she look like she's so fraught by something? Why is she exactly struggling so much with something within? And our presumption is there's something, some kind of presence within or on the farm that is toying with her mind, is saying things to her potentially, is doing things that she's noticing within the house exhibit a is that awesome scene. And you, I think you mentioned it briefly where she's in the kitchen and the chair slowly slides up next to her as if for her to step on it and maybe hang herself or just to fuck with her. Maybe even those yeah, like it's just sitting there with her. Yeah. yeah it's yep. like, Hey, I'm here. Like, 
So yep. almost just to mess with her and let her know, like you say, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And she is very fraught. Like I say, they're very haunting moments. Those for me did, did stick with, and they struck home. I definitely enjoyed those. It gets us established with our setting. And I mentioned the wolves howling, the wind howling. We get some just awesome moments and shots of this farm. And then we kind of jump into the house with the mother experiencing some of these things. The father is struggling. She's helping him out, just trying to essentially keep him alive for the most part. Right. Those first opening scenes get us introduced beautifully to the tone of the film. Pared down, a lot of melancholy. It's cold out. The wind is howling. That's what we need to get introduced to. They do it well. And then once we start getting introduced to the other characters, the brother and the sister, we're able to open up what's left to come in The Dark and the Wicked. Yeah, too. I like how you brought up that scene. There's a scene where she's laying next to her uh, uh, significant other, and it's like she hears that wolf, and that fear just strikes her. And it just shows you how lonely she is. Even though they're on a farm, like they're secure, she's safe. And that probably happens every night <laughs> or a lot in general. And it just mm-hmm. that she hears that howl and it just strikes fear in her. And it just, you can feel how lonely she is. I don't think the movie did a good job explaining how long the father's been sick. Um, It just, we kind of just see him and it's like, oh, this might, you know, it might've been happening for a while. But yeah, just her her sitting there, just trying to get through these nights, obviously journaling, cooking, uh, maybe doing some chores. That's about it. And then, like you said, we get introduced to Michael, uh, or yeah, Michael and Luis, and we learn more about their relationship too. Um, and I briefly touched on it, but they're not close. They, I think there's a scene too, they, they step out on the porch and she's smoking and she apologizes for not even like, calling uh michael's kids and telling them like happy birthday or anything just a small small moment but you feel that tension i love that it's like i kind of liked how the movie did that um that way because now they have a reason like oh dad's dying like we gotta you know no matter how much we might just hate each other you know just don't keep in touch we got you know this is gonna really bring them back together but (laughs) hey there's a twist so um (laughs) Yeah, but that first act pretty slow, but I think it was necessary. I did like it. Um and it's such a small cast too. It's like I said, it's pretty easy to follow. Um and in this second act, we we start seeing more uh paranormal stuff slowly start to happen and we do see the mom hang herself. And this was an interesting scene um because well, actually, that kitchen scene in kind of the first act, too, she ends up like chopping a carrot and you know that knife's going to go right up to her fingers. And it, it's got a split second shot. She cuts off like two or three, maybe even four. And she's just, you know, grunting and like, you know, it's obviously hurts. And she starts mincing the her like fingertips that are already cut. And it's pretty gross. Um and it just pans to like the next day. Um, that's something cool too. This movie does 
it shows each day of the week. It's like an act in mm -hmm. itself, which is also cool. I've never really seen that in a movie, but the the two kids, Michael and Luis, go running out and trying to find their mother because they see just the blood everywhere in the kitchen. And they're running, looking all over this farm, and lo and behold, she is hung by a rope in one of the barns with the goats, I, I think, in the in the goat barn. And that was pretty creepy, I'm not going to lie. Um, the shot they had of her legs, and she's like in that white gown too. Classic, yeah. classic, I think. But they go running over, getting her down, and they bring up a question later, which I love because it puts it in a realistic perspective. And they're like, how did she hang herself with nothing under her feet? I love that. What did you think of that? Because I, I freaking loved how they, how they added that. It puts it in a realistic perspective uh, for sure. I said earlier about this movie feeling like it's kind of got that everyday, every person type of trait. We are introduced to those two main characters, the brother and the sister. We are given an idea of their moral compass and the way they interact with each other and what their relationship is like with their parents. And there is a disconnect with their parents and, and we're, we're provided that information and they both have some disagreements. Michael is very resistant to believing these types of things in terms of a demonic presence or a spiritual presence, a ghost. Whereas Louise, she's obviously being realistic too, but she's more willing to accept the fact that maybe there is something more going on here. There is mm -hmm. a great scene leading up to that even with the nurse who has been at the house every other day or maybe every day to help out and provide assistance for the father to kind of just make sure he has everything he needs to keep him alive and just right. to make sure he's healthy. The nurse reveals to Michael and Louise when they are at the house that she has been saying and doing some really fucked up things that are beyond the ordinary, almost to the point as if there is something more to why she is acting this way and saying certain words and phrases. I thought that was so spine tingling. I wanted to give light to it because it was a really awesome revelation. And that was the first moment for our two protagonists to be aware of, okay, is it possible that there is something here. Luis gives it more thought than Michael, but they're both realistic in the idea of there being a demonic presence or something spiritual that they can't explain. So I love that. <clears throat> and that's such an important scene because it then follows into the moments you were talking about with the mother hanging herself yep. in the barn because we've already been revealed to that the mother was acting weird, saying weird things. And now we also have this, this question, how the hell did she hang herself? I mean, we're talking a 10 foot high roof on this barn, potentially. How would a oh. aging 70 plus year old woman be able to do that? Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. So that was great. I love how you touched light on that. Um, they find her. And again, it, it it brings them even closer because now they're like, well, who's going to take care of dad, basically? And um, 
they decide to stay, I think Michael's like, well, I can stay to the end of the week or something like that. And uh, Luis is like, well, I'll just have to take care of him. And throughout this movie, as things start happening, they are just struggling more and more and more to just even stay in the room with him just because so much shit's happening. <laughs> and um, things happen later that we'll touch light on. Um, but I think at some point, too, um, we get introduced to Charlie. Um, and I might be skipping ahead a little bit. I can't really exactly remember. Um, who I believe is just a helping hand. And we see them do chores around the farm um, and so on and so forth. But again, with them being atheists too, when they each have their own set of like personal experiences that they just can't explain, it's insane. And it's and you you see each person's perspective, and they don't want to open up about it. Yeah. They don't even want to talk. They, it just it shows you that I, tension. I love that they internalize it differently, but they're all skeptical as hell. Which rightfully yeah, so, right. I probably would be too. So I love that. I love that. And and Charlie, the farmhand, I think he is a very steady character here. He provides more realism to the movie. He's been helping out the family on the farm for years, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. And he yep. is equally disheartened by what has taken place and transpired with the mother committing suicide and the father, obviously, with some ailment. He is a very steady character. I enjoyed his scenes. I don't know about you yeah. personally, but... He then discloses, or I think Louise, when they're out on the farm, notices while they are out and about that there are some graves on the farm. And it's revealed that the goats have been turning up dead and that Charlie has been burying them throughout the last months. And he's a, he's attached to these goats even. That just goes to show you he is a loyal farmhand if he if he has an emotional connection to these goats he was naming them even just yeah basically like family at this point so um and that's how a lot of farmers are my dad being one of them like you know you're just you're around these people Mm -hmm. for so many years so even with you like your dad's a farmer too so that kind of resonates with us but uh they each start having their own kind of experiences one of michael's being he's just trying to get some sleep one night this light starts going on and off and i just love the simplicity of it because it it kept me on my toes i'm not i'm not gonna lie and he gets up checking out the windows tries to actually go back to bed it turns on again that light and he's you know checking that checking the parameter of the house a little like something electrical might be going on or somebody's messing with him and he he sees his mom out there in that white gown kind of like zombified like corpse like dead and obviously dead but she starts levitating he just cannot believe it and again doesn't say anything and i think one of one of the first things luis experiences that i don't think we touched on yet is that kind of famous shower scene um with her dad she's just showering she hears footsteps obviously someone is in the bathroom with her and boom opens the curtain and it's him like demified demonified or however you want to say it and yeah, almost like flashing eyes like, his eyes are flashing and they're yeah distorted yes and his head's like they have a cool scene that's in the trailer too is like head shaking really aggressively yeah and, shaking yep the head shaking yeah. that's a great great point and she's she's petrified in that yeah. scene i mean she's curled up to the back corner of the she's just cowering shower. in the corner <laughs> yeah. yeah 
she and and for these people to be based in reality and to experience something like this their reactions do seem plausible and believable for me and those yep. scenes are all great and they obviously have discussions about the apparitions they experienced and i believe they're out on the porch in a few scenes trying to just hash out what they personally are going through mm-hmm. louise is telling michael i'm not fucking stupid like i'm seeing things yeah. I know what I saw. Dad was there. He was right outside the shower. Yeah. And Michael doesn't exactly tell her off. And that's why he's open to the possibility that maybe there is more to what's been occurring here on the farm. Mm-hmm. And I think we also get introduced around this time, I believe, money to a priest who just happens to be walking near the the farmland. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it was coincidence or he might've turned up because he heard that Mm -hmm. their mom died and being a priest, you know, visiting the family, would be something you probably do, especially in like a small town, small community. Um, and you know, smaller area for sure. And again, just reviewing it, I kind of had some questions about him, but, and we'll touch light on that later, but yeah, he, he shows up and they, they talk, they discuss Michael again, expresses, Hey, we don't, we don't believe in God or, you know, she didn't believe in God. And they, you know, at this point they have already found their, her diary and the things she's written. Like he is there, he is killing him. Like things like that, paranormal things, things they can't even like really comprehend. And it's just conflicting with their belief so hard. And this priest has a such great line in this movie. And it's along the lines of something like, just because you don't believe in the wolf doesn't mean he isn't out there. And that, was perfect for what they have been experiencing and what is going on through their thought process. Um, so he hit that nail perfectly on the head. And I think he, they, you know, they talk, they kind of catch up. He expresses, Hey, we don't believe in all this, whatever, whatever. And um, I think he just kind of passes and they, they actually run into him later too, June's mm-hmm. um, in a more, <laughs> demonized way and throughout this period basically at this point in the movie scene after scene is just things happening to this family you know we won't cover them all but um there's a great scene too that i liked small scene but like their phones ringing their landlines ringing and she actually unplugs it and there's still like her mom's voice coming through that was like i just wanted to point that out i love that like quick little scene there um and actually, we're kind of at the point, too, where, like, Charlie, I think it's, isn't it Charlie, he commits suicide uh, with a shotgun, and he actually, or it's, I think it's Charlie, and she sees Luis cutting her up herself, and he hears something, he's got a shotgun ready, and he meets her face to face, and this is all an illusion, this is all an illusion, and that's what most of these things are, they're just illusions, they're not really there but that is how this demon if you will is portraying itself and that's something i learned after reviewing this and just kind of researching it and he basically sees her he just takes the gun to his head and and he goes and that's another another body down so god damn those those moments it was pretty oh man they they were impactful i loved them i cared about charlie I did. I liked his character. I thought maybe yeah. he would be able to help these guys out a little bit. 
but goddamn, his fate was sealed. And this confirms to us as the viewer, this entity, this demon, what what have you, is able to be in two places at one time and can jump from location to location and latch on to somebody. Those moments with Louise's demented looking body that Charlie is seeing, it's not the real her, when she's cutting herself up, those were pretty fucking brutal scenes and they they were definitely scary. So I, I thought those were good moments and it sucked to see Charlie go. I, I cared for him and, and that's something about The Dark and the Wicked that they they give time to as the characters and with this we are more apt to understand and empathize sympathize with what they're going through and experiencing so i love that yeah and at this point too the priest does come back they hear knocking and they're like what the hell are you doing they open the door and it's him and he is just wide-eyed he looks possessed and they keep questioning him their phone's ringing they turn their backs for one second and he's gone and shit's hitting the fan and like I said, scene after scene, things are just happening and they cannot literally believe what they're seeing. And that's what I just love about this movie because they're realistic people. Mm-hmm. They're non-believers though, which is fine. I don't want to get like get into that, but <laughs> um, it's just conflicting because of everything they've seen, they've shared and that they've read in a journal and it's tug of war with them. And Really cool scene, too, with Luis is she is watching her father for like a split moment. And he's like pinned to the ceiling, too. Really cool scene. And it's just a dream. She wakes up and she has a ton of experiences with him and just things around the farm. And I'm trying to figure out a way here, June, to kind of wrap a bow on this last act. Mm Because I don't know. How do you want to dissect it? Because there's just lots of lots of things happening we have the nurse's death which we haven't talked about Mm -hmm. um things that have happened with luis and michael michael's scene when he goes back home um i guess we could touch base oh don't talk about that one yet god that's such a good scene i did love that i I watched that and my jaw literally was to the floor but Um, yes to to tie it up in a bow there is quite a bit that happens we have a lot of jump scares we've got a lot of creepy moments here yes in the final act for sure I know that leading up to that point as well, I think that they did want to take the dad to the hospital and just just be done with it. But the doctor that visited the house advised that he would not be able to do that and have that set up for them, which sucks. So they're pretty much stuck there at that point, even if they want to go home. So we also have goats that all turn up dead. We're not just having one offs. The entire herd of the goats they have at this farm show up dead. So Michael and Louise are standing there when they see the goats thinking, what in the hell are we going to do here? This is beyond our comprehension and beyond our ability to fix. But for the final act, I know that we have a part here where there is a girl who shows up at the door. And I believe it was Charlie's granddaughter. And she she claims she'd been calling and that they wanted to let them know that Charlie had committed suicide. Right. Yep. Yeah. He, she was saying, oh, uh, her dialogue too just didn't seem like what a young girl her age would say and she's like playing mind games with Mm -hmm. Louise and she eventually is like teleporting into the house scaring the shit out of Louise 
and she's got like a demon voice at the end there too which i loved and do you do you smell him i smell him too he's close now exactly he's rotting <laughs> yeah those were some pretty good, good good lines of dialogue because yeah. when she approaches the door initially she sounds innocent she sounds like the mm-hmm. real oh. the real gal but <laughs> once she says those lines we're like oh shit it's just another illusion Luis is experiencing so it's like that's a good thing too this movie does is like even when you think there's a light of hope something else turns up and it keeps the ball rolling I think mm-hmm. but they use such simple tactics and that's what this director does even from the strangers like such simple tactics yeah. that's a simple home invasion movie scary as yes. hell though great point money I like the correlation there because yes it doesn't take a whole lot of ingenuity to right. come up with some of those things. And I think we see a lot of the same scares and moments of tension and the strangers that we see in this film. And that's something you'll notice from directors is they do tend to go with certain approaches on their scenes and their shots that are all kind of similar and have the same manner of style. Well said. Yeah. So I, I the, the ending to this, I wasn't a fan of. I'm not going to lie. And basically, before we get to that, Michael's scene is insane. Um, It reminds me, correct me if I'm wrong, Junes, have you seen, I think it's called like The Mist? Yes. Yes. It's similar ending. Uh, Basically, Michael's going home. He ditches Luis. She wakes up and he's gone. Straight up fucking ditches her. Colin and... He's already on the road. He's been driving all night. And she's like, you left me. Like, how could you, you know, freaking do this? And he he knows it's inevitable, inevitable that like something's going to happen. He's getting out of there. He wants, he's been there a week now. I, I think at this point, a full week almost has turned and he wants to go see his, his wife, his kids. And he gets home to basically an empty house. He's walking around and lo and behold, he, he, what he sees is, I think his his wife holding a knife. You don't really know if she killed the kids or what. That's the way it looks is she killed her kids and then she took her own life. And he's just crying, bawling. And he pulls out his knife, which we saw from before in a different scene, brings it up to his throat and he takes his own life. And he, he leans up against a wall holding his neck and looks again and it's an empty kitchen is where they you know were when he first walked in and i was like just holy shit because he like again when you think you're pulled into what's real it the movie just is like nope this was this was an illusion too and his wife and kids come through the door she looks over he's there basically already dead she screams and and that's that what did you think of this? This was this was probably my favorite scene. I know I'm kind of biased because it's like tying in the movie at the end, and that's where a lot of the action's happening. But this alone was the scene was incredible. This scene ups my score here once we get to it easily by ten to twenty percent. <laughs> that's I think it's that potent and that powerful that you have to bring that strongly into your score when considering what you're yeah. going to give it so, so good. And I cared about Michael enough 
he had enough scenes where he seems like a, just a normal person and he doesn't have the best relationship with his parents, but mm-hmm. God damn, he tried to help out. He was there. Yes. He, he kind of ditched her. And I, I understand that. And that was kind of a heartless thing to do, but he said to Louise, I knew you'd stay. I knew you'd stay. Even if I said otherwise to you. Exactly. So, he kind of knew, I mean, yeah. At and heart, he just knew, you know, it was not, his decision, but man. Yeah. Not that we saw it coming, but there was something off in those scenes when he's driving home. It just didn't seem right. Something seemed off. And when we have that that reveal of him being left sitting there dead after shooting himself, I just I was so shocked and floored. I didn't know what to do with myself. The the oh no just ran through my mind for about yeah. an entire minute or two because this guy's got a family. He's got two kids. He's got a wife. And to see that happen when it could have been avoided. Oh, it's just it hurts. And it goes to show that yeah. evil does not give a fuck whether you're good or bad. They don't care. They don't care if you're Catholic or atheist. When they latch on like this. <laughs> there's no bounds as to what the evil will do. And and we see it in this scene. And I think that's such a beautiful haunting moment to have there. I just, I freaking loved it. Yeah, it was, that was insane. So I'm glad we, we brought light to that. Obviously that was a huge moment for the movie and bye-bye Michael basically. <laughs> and we're left with at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, just Luis and her dad, I think. And the nurse. Did we talk about the nurse's oh, death the yet? Nurse. Did she, oh, did she that die? one's good too. Did she die before Michael or was it after? It was very close to the same time. I'm not it sure was. which one took place prior, but uh, might have been after, death. but I could be wrong. But yeah, her Jeez, death was insane. Go into it. I want to hear you talk about it here because I just want to relive the experience. She was, she felt like a fill in <clears throat> for just, you know, being like an in home CNA kind of whatever, taking care of, of their dad and, <clears throat> she gives some advice to Luis earlier on about how some there's some dark and wicked things in this world <laughs> that are brought a, a brought upon to people and it doesn't matter who you are basically uh, along those lines and she turns and has a horrific death and earlier in the movie we see her knitting whatever and she ends actually ends up taking her own life as well And almost Luis's, but she just knocked her unconscious. They had a little fight, but she ends up stabbing herself and then stabbing each of her eyes with those uh, knitting sticks, if you will. Um, And she she goes and she collapses on the floor, has some creepy lines of dialogue, too. And like I mentioned, too, she knocks out Luis up against a wall and Luis is just passed out. And she's like saying jesus is near he's close and that ain't even gonna save her and she she just collapses and she's she's dead there too um what'd you think of that compared to maybe michael's death or some of the other deaths we've seen in the movie so far i mean it's a great death for for shock uh shock factor certainly shocking to see two eyes get just bludgeoned out and just (laughs) Blood streaming down the face from both eyes. Yeah. I, I thought of something when you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. There was a moment when she's sitting there, the nurse, 
when she's sitting there on the rocking chair and she's knitting, she looks fine. And there's this moment where she, she stops and she kind of has this dead stare as if something has come upon her. And we have that moment with the supposedly granddaughter of Charlie saying that, do you smell, do you smell him? He's close now. He's within. And Mm -hmm. the way I took that was that the love and the people within the household had slowly started to slip away and they were worn down. They were no longer uh, defensible. They didn't have their defenses up any longer. And they were, the demon was now able to invade and take over these people. There was nothing holding them back at this point. So I think that moment of her having that dead stare was letting us know that the demon, this presence was absolutely uncontrolled and had a full reign of the remaining people within this house, which goes to our next scene we'll discuss with Louise. But this kill here, I think, is shocking. I definitely didn't see. I saw maybe the first eye coming. I didn't know about the second eye. So (laughs) I feel like they, they did a fantastic job. I feel like I didn't know, like, there was a time, too, where, like, I even forgot about her. And they bring her back with that, and it's like, holy cow. And... I would have just thought, you know, maybe, hey, I'm there, you know, for a day and then she just leaves and then she just doesn't come back. Or maybe she comes back to all these people dead or something, but and it gets reported or something like that along those lines of how this movie might wrap the bow on itself and kind of tie itself into to an, uh, a good ending, hopefully. And but no, they uh, <laughs> they slaughter her. So she's gone. And now we are. I think left with Luis and her dad and leading up to these final moments, I was sitting there wondering how is this going to end? Because clearly something's going on with him as well. He, you know, the father had his own couple scenes where he's moving around. Um, he's playing tricks on Luis. He's pinned to the ceiling at one point, like, like everybody's included. There's nobody off this list that, didn't have something happen to him basically. And at the end, I guess we just kind of find out that he is the demon himself. Like that's where I was kind of questioning uh, this ending. It felt like a little bit of a rip off to me on how they ended it. Mm-hmm. I do not know about you. I'm curious to hear what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not exactly for sure how it ends, but it's Luis sitting bed at his bedside, and he kind of just gets up and like s- like snarl like you can hear like a growl, and it just boom it cuts, and you assume that she gets killed, and you wonder are they gonna make another movie now? Like because this demon is clearly thriving, mm-hmm. um, but man, I was just like that's that's how it's gonna end, you know? I was just it left a sour taste a little bit in my mouth. That's for sure. But I'm curious, what what did you think? How do you think it might continue or, or how like the storyline ties into that ending or like just kind of what, like, what are you thinking about that? Oh, I was getting a sip of wine there before I dive in here into this final moment. Very, very good. I thought I like your theory of the dad potentially being the vessel for this entity throughout the entirety of the movie. And maybe we just didn't realize it. I think that's plausible. Is that what I thought on my end? 
I don't think so, but I like it. I just mm-hmm. think that the family members one by one, once they were all consumed and, and taken out, I should say, that there were no more defenses left up. And that's why the mother did not want the family to come here because she knew she knew she wasn't fucking stupid. She knew there was some she knew there was something more oh, to what yeah. was going on and that there was something very evil uh, surrounding her. And yeah. she didn't want her family members to have to try to go through that same thing. Yeah, and she'd been journaling about it too. I mean, there's evidence of Yes, the journal dates back to however long ago she's been doing that. You mentioned that earlier and we didn't even really touch on it because there it's kind of hard to remember all the stuff that was wrote down, but she was writing yeah. a novel. She of, had a book. <laughs> yeah, a full book, man. So clearly this this demon, this this evil that was residing in the household, like I said, knew no bounds and was absolutely out to get any kind of human being it could. While I can see why you're a little upset. By the abrupt ending and the lack of clarity on the situation, I for one did kind of like it. I thought it was resolute. I think it. I think it actually gave us a definite ending, as to this family perishing one by one, everyone they know and love, no matter how much they care about them, being offed and losing their lives in in terrible ways. Mm-hmm. While that that sucks and that hurts, <clears throat> that is a part of the horror genre. And that's something that right. is so, so impactful and resounding over the, the decades of horror. And it's so true to this genre. There are going to be deaths. You're going to care about people. It's going to eventually happen. And you have to be ready for it. You have to go through it. And unfortunately, this whole family loses their lives. And for me, I thought it was a clear ending. I think Louise is is definitely killed there. But I do like your theory of him, the father, being the vessel all the while. I think that's absolutely believable. Yeah. And what just kind of offed me too is like the the demon, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. What is its kryptonite? Like they felt defenseless this whole movie. Like they couldn't do anything. Like they had zero chance of surviving. I understand like some of these family members and the nurse and people kind of turned on them. And I mean, like the nurse even attacked Luis and things just kept happening. Illusions kept happening. The priest, they couldn't even believe if that was a real priest or not after he disappeared yeah. and vanished and he looked possessed. Like, like what is this thing's kryptonite? They did. I, you know, that was my one thing. It's like, you know, as these horrific things are happening, what can they do to help the situation? This movie, scene by scene, just another thing happens, another horrific death happens, another yeah. shit hits the fan, wild thing happens. It's like they can't even like catch up to the last thing that happened, I feel like, and they are just so defenseless. Like, you know, a classic demonology movie or possession movie, like, okay, an exorcist or something, that's real, that's a thing I believe in, whatever, whatever. This is so different and like... You know, they could have turned it into something where they can start learning about it or maybe they find something about it where they can start doing things to maybe help their dad or like help each other out more. And like there's just no kryptonite shown to maybe how to possibly defeat this thing. And that's where I got that sour taste in my mouth with how it ended because it's like, well, I guess this thing's just going to live on. 
Um, and to see Luis go out like that after her brother leaving her, you know, she was loyal um, that whole time. No matter how much crying she did or emotion she had brought to the table, you know, she was there. So I don't know. That was my one thing. I knew this was going to be talked about. And I'm sure a lot of people that have seen this might agree, might not, might agree with June's. It's, it's whatever, you know, take your pick. It's not your typical ending, I guess, to a movie with like how a lot of others are. You know, there's a storyline, it, it completes it. The ending is most times clear sometimes you get a situation like this so that was my one thing it's like man that just they felt so defenseless um but i'll keep or i'll quit ranting about it but man that just yeah because it was a solid movie i mean you know we'll get into ratings here but man yeah that uh i don't know if if it had a different ending or an alternate ending it my score would probably be higher but who knows who knows i Value, Do you see where I'm coming from, though? Yes, I value like, your notion there. Usually with these movies, we like to have some type of going back to the drawing board moments where we're having our main protagonist getting together and trying to battle this thing and, it, and right. to at least have some hope. So I can see where the despair and hopelessness can be so, so abundant that it, it turns off the viewer. I get that. So... I totally respect your slant. I get it. Totally, totally judgment-free here, money. So with that being said, I think we're about about review time, baby. Yes, sir. Yep. So I will read off Rotten Tomatoes. So they have it. Audience score of 63%. Okay. They have a critic score of 91%. Yeah. Really? So, 91 as of today, 91%. Holy um, shit. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, so however they did this and probably the ending, the critics must have loved it. They they must have thought, you know, the storyline matched well, the characters, the plot, um and and how it just kind of wrapped itself up, I guess. So, um we'll get into it, but I'm a little more on the audience score. Um, and I can get into it first if you want, or you can go ahead. It does not matter. I can dive in. <clears throat> I am definitely, definitely appalled almost. Yeah. By the critic score. I'm sorry. Hate on you me. Didn't, you didn't know it. prior, did you? No, uh, I had no idea. I, I had a feeling that the audience yeah, right. would be in that range, but ba- or nine, balanced more. Balanced more even. But yeah, so I'm 91. surprised. I'm surprised, but I'm going to give my review here money. I had a fun time with this one and I recommended it to you. We were thinking of movies to to review mm-hmm. for the upcoming future. And I said, hey, The Dark and the Wicked, it was one of our options. I'm like, hey, this is a decent one. I liked it. Uh, the first time I watched it with Colin, our, our special guest that we've had on a few times, we liked it. It was a good experience. So I recommended it to you. I just hope that whatever you have for a score, I just hope that it was was worth your time. But we will we yeah. will wait to see what you thought. My review here, though, is to start The Dark and the Wicked is one of the more unforgiving horror films. And we've we've talked about Ooh. that yep. frequently throughout the episode. Unforgiving. It doesn't the director, the writing, they don't give a damn about how you feel about these characters. 
death is all around us and this can happen. And sometimes there's simply nothing that can be done. And I think it's one of the most unforgiving I've watched in recent memory where we're left with no living characters, no brighter day left at the end of the movie. Evil does not care whether you are good or bad. We've talked about it. And the film progresses in accordance with that belief. It never sways from it. Not all stories have happy endings, and we are reminded of life's fragility with every scene that takes place. I think the film alluded very beautifully to the reality of parents getting older and children losing touch. This is an honest, deep-rooted fear in each and every one of us. And it is certainly on the minds of our protagonists all throughout. Sometimes love isn't strong enough to save a life. And this is plainly displayed throughout. Equal time was allotted to our protagonists. And because of this, we are able to understand their emotions and their decisions they were making. The setting and scares were satisfactory. But it was the deaths at the end for me that unfolded that really struck home. The majority of the film is paced just fine. But if I'm being frank, money, not much happened until the end. And because of that, I am going with a 7.1. Gotcha, man. I'll tell you what, we are in the ballpark. Um, for me, and I love, that was amazing, by the way. I love that. Um, you know, for me, I get it. It's a slower paced movie. I think this is one of the better movies that have, that has done that tactic. Like I mentioned earlier, it gives, it gives time to draw out these characters, even though it's a simple family, there's not many cast and crew members here, but we learned so much about them. Again, the, the family aspect of, you know, a lot of families, even in real life, aren't close. You're not close with your siblings, but there's times in life where you're drawn to each other for certain moments. And in this case, it's their dad literally on his deathbed. And they just got to help each other out. And they're trying to help their mom. Things start unfolding. The, the pace definitely picks up, though, uh, as I'm talking about it. Each death was pretty damn good. I can't abide by saying, eh, they were okay. Like they were they were pretty good. Um, not many, but man, they were they were pretty damn satisfactory. Um the storyline was pretty simple to follow. Some holy shit moments, Michael just being one of them. I love that. All around, dude, like I I can't really complain about the movie you know i nitpicked earlier with the ending a lot of people are probably going to do that that have already seen this um and maybe if i do my own research i can learn more about it too um you know even after doing this it's cool looking back at it and figuring out what you can figure out and just learning about it um but i i and again i would recommend it as well um Definitely a movie, maybe watch a couple few times a year. It was for me, and this is a big, big factor into my score, is the scare factor. And I not I'm not gonna lie, I was on my toes for a handful of moments 
throughout this. I did, I did enjoy that. But with all that being said, I had this score from the first night I watched it. And I had a 7-3. So to see how we were that close, wow. I said low, I said low sevens. And you I couldn't be pick shitting a, me. I couldn't pick an exact number. But I think putting it over a seven five, even closer to an eight, for me, it just doesn't it doesn't no. deserve it. It so, doesn't. I will say though, in that range, it's a good movie. And I and it did for me deserve to be put over a seven. You know, it's the grading scale can be evil at times because you have to balance certain things and then there might be a moment in the movie where it's like oh mm-hmm. well that bumps it up whatever whatever but seven three for me uh market in the books but it's it was it was it was good i can't i can't just harp on it and say oh like it was slow i didn't like the ending whatever it was easy to follow i liked the kills man i was scared uh, first time seeing it released again in 2020 um and i can't honestly at the end of the day complain a lot about this this movie um definitely something to watch kind of for me in the winter season just because it's like that melancholy feeling small town isolation i love that i am a fan of that and i love how this director did the strangers as well uh possibly a future uh episode that we do um and we got movies marked down too that we're going to be discussing in the future that we pick from that we've kind of collabed on, uh, adding to the list as time goes on. But yeah, that's uh, that kind of when you said that, James, I was like, man, he is going to love my score. That's that's <laughs> that's so funny. We but, were so spot on, and and to not say a word think, and to be point two there away from each other is amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, we do not Amazing. spoil each other's scores prior. We release our scores raw here as we're filming or recording these episodes. So um, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, um, again, 91 critic on Rotten Tomatoes, 63 audience. We, again, were right with each other. I think our thoughts and opinions were pretty spot on, obviously. Uh, scores reflect that. So I, I got nothing else overall, just... A good damn classic horror film. Uh, Paranormal, uh, on that paranormal side, though. Yes. Uh, Definitely a different style, which I liked. I liked. It was first watch for me, so I definitely recommend it for you guys listening. So, Yeah, I think that's a fucking wrap. I had a great time. I hope the people listening had a great time, too. And please stay tuned. We are active on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube at Scratching the Surface 100, as well as TikTok. We have been active on all of those. So I'm just grateful to once again be here with the man, Money himself, and to also share in this fucking love I have with similar people that absolutely adore this genre of film. Yep, I couldn't have said it, or you couldn't have said it better. Um, Again, we wish you guys happy holidays and a good new year. Um, continue to tune in. We will be, I don't know, to, to be determined on the next episode, looking about a, about a week. So stay tuned. That will be releasing. We'll, we'll have some teasers and stuff probably on TikTok as we've been doing. Make sure to check that out. But 
it's been a pleasure Junes, and i love scratching the surface with this film and uh it's been real man yes absolutely thank you money thanks guys